ora, buongiorno, hola, and welcome to Talk Back Fridays. It's going to be an exciting night. We have a, a very new host. Her name is Michelle. She is an epic person, and she is here to bring on some amazing guests and just share a lot of knowledge on the metaverse, NFTs, uh, Web 3.0, all that cool stuff. She's from the future. She's an advertiser's dream. Let's bring her on. Say hi. I'm <laughs> hey, thanks for the intro. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Hope you guys are all having a good one. I've got a big glass of wine. Ready. Same. Ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. And uh, we're just really excited to have a new host on Fridays so we can just keep this going. Yeah. Oh, we're excited to be involved. So. <laughs> Lovely to have you. Um, I'm going to bring in Jerome in a minute. Um, how's your day been? It's been pretty good, to be honest. I had a few appointments, had a few meetings in regards to um, all the subjects that we'll be covering today. So, yeah, just to spruce up my knowledge, making sure I'm passing out the right information. But um, I think it's something really important for us to be able to obviously expose the rest of the rest of us too earlier than, you know, later. NFTs, this is a powerful hot topic it's really spreading like wildfire i mean it has been for a while but i think it's becoming more mainstream by the day yeah i feel like um the whole kind of web3 metaverse um seems quite foreign to a lot of people and even take me back like a month and a half ago i was the same i had absolutely no idea what it was um but i think when you kind of realize the magnitude of where we're going um when it comes to our new reality or potential new reality for everything from everyday life, business, I think it's something that we should all at least be able to understand the basics of. Exactly. We do need to know the foundations and how we can all maybe contribute and be a part of it and actually not be intimidated by the technical aspects of it and just really, yeah, let's bring in Jerome and you guys just talk and um, really looking forward to hearing all he has to say. So I'll catch you later. Cool. Thanks. Hey, Jerome. How are you going? <laughs> well, apart from the uh, minor technical issues, I am doing fantastic. No, that was a bit of a mirror. I was like, Jerome, this is my first podcast. You can't, your computer can't die. <laughs> I know it's a new computer as well, but uh, a few teething issues. I'm sure we'll uh, iron them out in, in due course. We're all good. So, um, like, basically, I just wanted to go over a little bit about you, like a little bit about your background um, and kind of explain to the audience like where you've come and where you are now and ask a few questions. And if there's any questions that the audience want to ask, obviously, go for gold. Cool. Well, I guess um, it's pretty safe to say it's an unorthodox kind of background. Um, you know, going, going right back though, and, and saying that, um, my, my dad was a programmer, so I was cutting code in the 80s on, on a green screen in my bedroom. I was a little nerd as a, as a seven-year-old. Um, unfortunately, I guess when I got to a teenager, I uh, wasn't so interested in computers and enjoyed having a, a bit of fun and maybe a little bit too much fun. And so my parents played a little bit of a trick on me and they told me I was going on a holiday and uh, they sent me to this place called Grass Valley, which is out in the outback of Western Australia. There was uh, no petrol station, no dairy, just one pub, and, and then they kind of left me there. 
It took me two and a half years to get home. I, I lived in the car washing windows in exchange for food, water and gas. Uh, even sort of slept at Sydney Airport for a little bit. Uh, and then came, came back to N- NZ, became an outdoor instructor, um, got into the internet and mobile phones in the 90s. So I was one of those guys that sold the old um, infamous Nokia devices that you, you, know, you couldn't break. And then, um, yeah, rapidly kind of, um, I guess, you know, the, the tech space is uh, growing at, at, a, at a rate of knots and I, I did my best to, to keep up and subsequently I've been involved in, oh goodness, maybe three companies that have gone on to be billion dollar businesses, um, maybe half a dozen that have gone on to be hundred million dollar plus businesses and I've been in this uh, Web3 NFT kind of space for five plus years now. We, you know, we did an ICO in 2018, we sold and it's always $100 million with our token in six minutes. We received $300 million to the smart contract. And, uh, yeah, I've been uh, really enjoying the sort of technology wave for, oh, goodness, 20-odd years now. I mean, it's super impressive. And like I said to you when um, you briefly started explaining to me, I think this would have been back in November last year. You know, you were sending me little like tidbits of like links and like I was kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, you know what I mean? And then it's like I kind of the more I got involved, um, the more I kind of realised, like I was saying to Selena, like the magnitude of where this is going, um, not just in the space of obviously earning money with NFTs, but our whole kind of like concept of reality is going to change. So obviously I did my research and now obviously you're my boss. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously like I'm super grateful for the opportunity because I know that it's going to obviously accelerate. Hence why I wanted to interview you today and obviously um, educate the audience on what everything is. So I'm going to ask you like a few kind of questions to kind of in basics explain to everybody what is what and how to kind of get involved. Cool. All right. Let's go. All right. So what is the metaverse exactly? Uh, The way I tend to think of it is the next evolution of of the internet and also the next evolution of e-commerce and and, and retail commerce. It's where physical and and digital, so physical being the retail commerce, digital being e-commerce, come together. Um, They kind of collide and and overlap. You're going to have this immersive experience where essentially um, your physical being is going to be part of the digital world. And so that's kind of this, this metaverse that's going to be powered by virtual reality and you're going to go into this world uh, a bit like uh, I guess some of the stuff you may have seen in, in sci-fi movies um, I suspect that's going to become a reality much sooner than most people probably appreciate. Cool, I mean I, I think there's a lot of people out there potentially watching as well as even say my dad that, not that they don't believe that this is going to be a thing but they obviously find it, you know, pretty far-fetched when it comes to the kind of timelines and stuff um, but like I said, now that people were starting to see NFTs on the news and, you know, articles coming out, I think they're starting to believe it slowly but surely. In the 90s, I used to call up companies and and tell them they needed this thing called a website. And I used to make 100 calls. They had yellow pages, and yellow pages was all they needed. Uh, So, yeah, you get that. For sure. Uh, Oh, I can hear music in the back. Can you guys hear that? Yeah, I can hear that too. Where from? Love that. (laughs) (laughs) 
do your dance, do your dance nuts. Um, so, like, how does Web3, because obviously we're in the Web2 space at the moment, and we're obviously slowly starting to transition into Web3 more. Sorry, we're in Web2 yeah. now. How would you kind of explain that to everybody? Like, yeah, so look, in, in Web1, that was the yellow pages static thing that you had on the internet in, in, in the 90s. So it was what we would consider read-only. So you'd go to a website, you'd read some information, and, and that was kind of it. Then Web2 is, is more your Facebook experience. You could read, you could write, and it was more um, interactive. Web3 takes it to a, a different level in which you become the owner of your, your data, your identity, particularly your digital identity at the moment that's probably owned by big tech companies and they use that data to, to sell to the highest bidder and then um, you also own I guess your um, you know digital assets or, or your money or currency cool I mean obviously like we've had our when it comes to um, obviously your digital identity is being sold off to Facebook say and an example of that would be um, obviously all your data is being sent off and you're getting all these emails and stuff like that would that stop in Web3 or you'd be able to own, own more I guess right I think it, it's still kind of possible um, however it would be more your choice so instead of um, I guess someone being able to sell your data because they have access to your data in a big data warehouse that's kind of how it works at the moment now Facebook Google Apple Microsoft Microsoft have these big data warehouses and they put everyone's information in there. The way the Web3 world works is each individual has their own room and their own locking key to that room. And they provide access to others on their terms as to whether they can access whatever's in, in that room. So similar to when you download an app and it says, I need to access your contacts, your location, that kind of thing. It's more under that kind of vein than something happening without any visibility from, from, from you. Cool. I mean, there's some cool questions coming through. There are actually questions that I was going to ask you, but we might as well go there while while we're here. So, um, Carl asked, um, obviously, like I was saying, with the reality changing to some degree, what will the metaverse do for the world as we know it now? Oh, that's a good question, and, and it's really hard hard to say. I, I think it's, you know, there's pros and cons of, of, of technology. Um, you know, I, I know personally that I probably spend too much time on, on my phone and maybe don't appreciate the beauty outside as, as much as I, I could or should. And I suspect some of this technology, you know, it runs, runs the real risk that people get too attached to it um, and enjoy the digital faux world more than, than the real life. So I think, you know, that's something that we, we need to manage. Um, and saying that, this type of technology can do a whole bunch of good as well. So. You know, if you're thinking about learning and, and education, uh, risk management, you know, fire and safety, if you can simulate some of these environments and train people in a safe, um, you know, uh, that music is really intense, so <laughs> safe place, uh, then I think it could do a lot. I know, I know. Um, so I think it'll be a, a, a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it'll be pros and cons with this, this technology. For sure. You always see those images of like kids sitting on their mattresses with this headset on and like an absolute like squalor of a place. So I guess um, 
like everything, you know, if you overdo anything, well, you don't have that balance right. Um, obviously, I've seen the benefits of uh, the metaverse for immersive. So we'll, we'll touch base on your new project soon. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of the questions that I've been getting uh, through my channels is about NFTs. So if you could explain to us, you know, what is an NFT? How can we benefit from it? How can we get into it? Do we need to be involved in the metaverse to be able to own one? Yeah, good, good question. So an, an NFT is essentially a way to digitally sign something that's generally digital to have proof of ownership. Um, the way it's been used at, at the moment is, is very much around community engagement. So um, NFTs are a, a mechanism to connect communities, I, I think, generally, generally speaking, is in, in the most positive of, of, of ways. Um, most people think of NFTs probably as, as, as a JPEG, you know, like you know, a, a picture of something, and it probably doesn't make sense as to why you pay a, a reasonable amount of money for, for this picture that you could, um, you know, cop, copy and, and, and paste off the internet. Um, probably not dissimilar, however, to going to, you know, the Louvre in France and, and taking a picture of the Mona Lisa. There's one thing to take a picture of the Mona Lisa and have that on your phone. It's another thing to own the actual Mona Lisa. And so NFTs are a way in which particularly artists and creatives can um, create value from, from their digital works and they can also connect with their communities in ways that haven't, haven't been possible before. And a way in which um, it's possible for the owner of that asset to, um, to have a more sustainable business. So typically if you look at artists and, and, and creatives, there's exceptions to this, but many don't have um, as um, as a prosperous life as, as they could. You know, to, to, for a musician, when they put stuff on, on say, Spotify, for example, they need to, you know, sell millions and millions of downloads to make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And NFT is a very efficient way for a fan to uh, connect with the artist and for the artist to connect with them directly and in a way that um, creates value for, for, for both of those parties. So, um, for me, an NFT is more uh, key to a particular club or a community that makes sense for those for those particular participants, and it shows ownership and rights to particular digital assets, whether it's music or art or or experience. Cool. I mean, obviously, when you were trying to explain to me, like I said back in November about NFTs and how to buy them and things like that, obviously. I wouldn't even know where to start if it wasn't for you. So obviously you walked me through obviously what OpenSea is, making sure I got a MetaMask wallet, um, another platform called Vivi, which obviously sell NFTs, like specifically Marvel. So um, I don't know how without like a screen you'd kind of explain people, like how would people purchase their first NFT? Yeah, look, it's um, there's a couple of ways to purchase. One is on uh, Vivi. So Vivi's a super successful Kiwi company. Um, they got a guy that runs it, David amazing individual um, yeah, they're uh, one of the top two I guess in the world where it comes to NFT and NFT sales you know talking hundreds of millions a, a month that would be definitely where I would start if you own crypto then um, you know OpenSea is, is probably the, um, the place to go often these days Twitter is a, a good source of deal flow and, and information uh, NFT Twitter is quite a common term and, and, and Discord if you're a gamer and, and into Discord then you can find out about the next sort of NFT drop in, in there and I think it's, it's something you need to do. Um, it's hard to really e explain. It's, it would be similar to trying to explain what doing a hill start in the car is for the first time. You can, you can watch these YouTube videos on how to do a hill start and you can read all these documents but it's not until you're in a vehicle 
there's cars around you, you're trying to, particularly in a manual, right? You're trying to get into the clutch and the accelerator, you've got the handbrake, you're looking around, all the emotions are kind of flaring up. There's a big difference between being in that car on a hill and then watching someone try to do that on a YouTube video. And that emotional connection when you buy something digitally for the first time and you know you own it and you know it's unique and that it's your asset. That that feeling is something you need to experience. There's no way to really explain it um, other other than do it. So I'd highly recommend everyone everyone gives it a go. It's, it's quite a neat little feeling actually. For sure. I mean um Obviously, when I got my first VV um, NFT, I got super excited, and I was like posting it on all, all my Instagram socials, and people were like, "What is this? Like, cool, you know?" Because people just didn't understand. So, um, how would you kind of explain people setting up a MetaMask wallet? Because I found that probably like not the hardest thing to do, but it seems pretty complicated. Like, if I had to explain to my dad, like, how would I, how would I do that? Yeah, I mean, how how would you explain to your dad to another bank account, right? I mean, that's infinitely more more complex. You know, your your passport, your driver's license go into a branch, a utility bill, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the MetaMask wallet is, yeah, it, it is complex. There's, there's a mobile app version and there's what they call a browser extension version. So there's one that gets kind of integrated into Chrome or Brave or whatever it is you're, you're used to. And it's a way in which you can sign into crypto worlds. So they call them dApps, decentralized applications. But similar to how you sign into stuff with Google, um, you can use MetaMask to sign into similar systems. The difference being where Google gives you a username and password and then they use your data to sell to the highest bidder. In the MetaMask environment, you own that data and you provide the other party with access to your information um, and it tells you the information that you're providing uh, to the third party. So it might be just to view that you have certain assets in your wallet, therefore you have a right of passage into this, this world or this application or it may be a little bit more than that. Um, the actual setup is, is reasonably straightforward. The, the simplest one is actually a, a Kiwi company called Silo. Uh, if you download Silo, you can probably get up and going in, in a few minutes and you can buy crypto directly within the app and you can even buy NFTs within the app and hold those NFTs in the app. Cool. Sorry about that doggo on the background. I'm like, good one. Thank you. Um, the doggo. Yeah, everyone owns a doggo. That's Miley. Um, what else did I want to kind of cover? I mean, obviously you've bought a lot of fluffs. So actually, Selena actually knows um, one of the creators, well, one of the founders from Fluff. So I thought that was a, this isn't my dog, this is my family dog, so hello. <laughs> Do you want to explain kind of like a little bit about Fluff just to kind of make it relative to like a recent project? Yeah, look, I I think Fluff World, which is um, a project of a company called Non-Fungible Labs, is one of the coolest things to ever come out of New Zealand. Um, you know, they recently donated a million dollars to Orphan Mission, and they're doing a bunch of stuff on the world stage that is... Um, uh, quite frankly, just all of them are world first. Uh, they're connecting communities, artists, uh, creatives. They're doing, a, I guess, kind of what Weta did for movies in, in, in New Zealand and, and Lord of the Rings. The Fluff World are, are doing that for the metaverse and, and for NFTs. Uh, for people who purchase a Fluff on, on Mint, so to mint a Fluff, it costs you, let's call it $500. If you were smart, not risky, progressive enough, crazy enough, probably, maybe crazy enough, to mint a fluff first, first time around, you probably would have made over $100,000 by now. By minting this particular asset, it provided you with opportunities and right to um, get early access to other 
projects where the general public would not be in a position to participate. Yeah. Uh, and so there's been a bunch of these projects that collectively would have well exceeded $100,000 of, of revenue. And I'll, I'll give you an example. One of them is called uh, Jadu Hologram. So this is a, you know, something like out of Back to the Future where your avatar, your NFT, can ride a jetpack or connect a jetpack to itself and then using your mobile phone have a VR experience. These guys partnered with Snoop Dogg, who's like Snoop Dogg, kind of um, hoverboards and, and the fluff world, there's Snoop Dogg uh, VIP uh, land. And, and essentially, if you had a fluff, you could have minted one of these Jodu jetpacks, which now, I think the floor in these things is 5 five each. So call that you know $25,000, give or take. And because you owned a fluff, you were on the whitelist, which meant you were guaranteed the ability to mint one of these, and you would have mint one of these things for an a 0.9 ETH and yeah, made was it 50, 50x um, on, on that. So like kind of going back to that, I mean, obviously like you're talking about 5 E, and so I guess kind of most people, they're like, what, is, what does that mean? So obviously yeah. that was Ethereum, which is a cryptocurrency. Yeah. Do you want to just touch base on that just so people could kind of get a grasp? Yeah, yeah good point. Um, there's two kind of made, the two largest cryptocurrencies, uh, Ether and, and, and Bitcoin. Uh, some say that Ether will uh, surpass Bitcoin, they, they call that the flippening. In the Web3 world, much like the US dollar is the reserve currency for oil and a bunch of other stuff in, in real life or, or the world today, in the Web3 world, the reserve currency is, is Ether uh, that runs on the Ethereum blockchain. That's what you need to pay in order to do, to do anything on, on that network. Um, and it's something I would highly recommend everyone has has a little bit of in, in their back pocket. Cool. Um, and then what I also kind of wanted to touch base on, because obviously people know me to be in the entertainment industry. So obviously um, my talent agency and dance groups, so people are probably thinking, how are you in this industry, Michelle? Why are you talking about it? Um, so obviously I wanted to touch a little bit on Immersive, which is your new project. So obviously with that, I have come onto your team to be a community PR growth manager. So I just thought if you could kind of explain briefly without letting everybody know what we're doing right now, what Immersive is and how it's going to help us. Yeah, cool. So in, I guess in, in the 50s through the 80s, you know, boom, boomers bought a bunch of property and, and they did pretty well from, from that. They, um, they bought this land. Um, some of them bought quite a bit of that land and you know now now they're reasonably wealthy and if they want to buy a new car or, or go on a holiday they don't necessarily need to use cash to do that they can talk to the bank and say hey I've, I've got this land um, can I please have you know $20,000 to buy my new car or, or go on my fancy holiday and in the web3 world digital land and, and, and digital assets and, and digital property that a bunch of these people have uh, earned uh, and it's safe to say that these people are potentially you know digital asset rich but maybe they don't have um, the same kind of level of um, wealth in, in fiat currency or in their check or savings account. Now a boomer doesn't sell 5% of their property to buy a new car and people that are in the crypto space they really believe in this. Um, I, I believe in this and I don't want to sell my crypto. You know, if, if the price of crypto goes down I'm buying more crypto. If the price of crypto goes up I'm buying more crypto again but like others I, I need to go on a holiday and I, I need to well, I'd like a new 
your car. Um, and so <laughs> what, what, what Immersive enables is for, for these people, and some of these people earn their income natively in crypto. So you've got to ask yourself, why, why do I need a bank account today? And for most people, it's two things, to get their salary paid into it, maybe to pay other people, and uh, you know, to, get, to get a loan. Well, in this new world, you can pay people peer-to-peer, person-to-person directly without an intermediary. So you know, in the banking world, it's I tell my bank to pay your bank, and then they tell you that you've got some money in your account. But actually, if they don't want to give you the money in their account, they can you know, shut off the tab at any point in time. You don't actually own that money. There's your view to, view to it. Um, in the crypto world, what we enable is for people that have these assets to be able to use those assets, much like a boomer uses their property, to get access to cash uh, as a loan or to get interest on those assets. And that interest or that loan can be loaded onto a credit card. Uh, we have a, a partnership in, in place with one of the big credit card companies, and so they can spend uh, fiat, so you know New Zealand dollars, anywhere that you know the credit cards are accepted, without having to, to sell their crypto, and also without having to have a bank account. Because if you can earn your money in crypto, and if you can use your crypto for a loan, and then if you can spend it anywhere Visa or Mastercard to accept it, then the question is, why do you need a bank account? And so we're solving a problem for for this Web3 community that may or may not have a bank account that want to leverage their crypto assets for either yield or for a loan and we're building basically the world's first decentralized credit card. Woohoo! So exciting. <laughs> and I'm also so proud of you, not just as like a boss, but also as a friend. So such a cool space to be in right now. But um, I thought we'd just kind of also quickly, we're running out of time, it's gone pretty fast. Um, can you kind of explain what Fiat and decentralized DeFi, those kind of terms, because yep. people will start seeing those come up and I just thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So money, money's a faith-based system. People have trust in it because, um, I guess, because of social pressure and norms and that's how we've grown up. But for a long time, money used to be backed to gold. There was asset-backed currency and it was strongly backed by, by the US and the single Bretton Woods. And the early 70s, I think 71, give or take, uh, Nixon decided that the US dollar was not going to be backed by gold anymore. It was going to be backed by the US government, i.e. we're good for this. And so fiat currency came out in the 70s as a non-asset-backed currency, but a currency backed backed by government. Um, centralization and, and decentralization. So centralization is, um, you know, I guess it's Facebook and Google and, and Apple, you know, these, these companies. Decentralization is more community-owned, community-governed, and the Bitcoin's a great example. In, in the Bitcoin world, there, there is no CEO, there is no board, there's no shareholders owned by the people, for the people, and the community govern and, 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 and evolve it. DeFi is decentralized finance. So it's a, it's similar to, I guess, Harmony, um, I, I, I suppose, um, but without Harmony. So it's possible for parties who want to borrow um, and then those that are in a position to lend to connect directly with each other without an intermediary. And it's also a system which is um, not debt-based. So in, in traditional finance, you know, you put a dollar into a bank account and then that bank can, you know, sell that dollar 10 times over. So you've got this thing called fractional banking. You don't have that in the DeFi world. Someone has an actual asset and someone borrows against that asset. So you don't have any um, yeah, you don't have any debt in, in the DeFi world, but people that have are able to share with those that, that don't in a way that's equitable and sustainable and, and also direct or, or, or peer-to-peer. Cool. I mean, obviously the, the concept for me, especially with obviously COVID and all the recent kind of events that are happening in the world right now, 
now. I kind of like the idea of us being able to take back the power of us controlling where our identity goes, where our money is going, you know, peer to peer with no kind of third party. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the main things. I thought I'd just quickly start answering a few of these questions, Jerome, before we pop off into our weekend. Um, so, someone has asked, is there any rules or things to look out for when buying an NFT? Yeah, good. Very good question. Look, there there are definitely risks involved in, in this stuff. So you know, similar to spam email and yeah, questionable um, advertising on on social media. Um, don't click links um, if it's too good to be true. It, it probably is. Uh, buy from a reputable uh, place. Go go directly to that website. Don't if you receive an email, don't click the link in the email. Um, you know, those things can can get you. Um, if you haven't done it before, then I would strongly suggest stick within the VB app if you're buying an NFT for the first time or, or OpenSea, just go to their, their main site. Discord has a bunch of um, unfortunate, you know, um, questionable people. So yeah, definitely don't accept any DMs. Don't click any links. Do your own research. Yeah, yeah I, I was just going to say that. I feel like with you, you know, at the very beginning back in November, I'd be like, what do you think of this project? And you're like, Michelle, do your research. Go read the white paper, which is pretty much obviously the project's kind of roadmap you can kind yeah. of see all right yeah invest in a community you know don't don't invest in the in, in the pretty picture um look at the utility for, for the particular project look at the roadmap for that project look at the people behind that project um yeah uh, it, it is like buying shares or any other investment product and should have the same sort of care and caution oh so someone so hayden's asked how is it different to gambling oh look yeah gambling <laughs> uh, i mean i i i don't gamble um but i, I do invest um you know everything has risk you know whether it's crossing the road or doing a bungee or buying an NFT or, or going to the casino, you know, there's risk. I think you need to be aware of what those risks are. You need to understand the likelihood of the risk, the severity of that risk, and, and what the upside is. You know, if you can't afford to participate or to invest and you're gambling, hoping for a big win, I would strongly suggest you think twice about that decision. Good advice. Um, so last kind of question. Um, so obviously Hayden said it's good because it's not tied to a country. Obviously it's an international national thing pretty new in New Zealand as we know it so it says no fees but obviously when I first started talking about NFTs with you you obviously mentioned gas prices yeah look there, there are fees but I think Hayden makes a good point I mean in, in Canada right now there's you know a, a local situation with, with truckers and there's people who support those truckers and, and people that don't support those truckers however the, the president over there decided that if anyone donates to the cause of the truckers that they will shut down their bank account and that is not about you know, that's not democracy or a free society. You know, that's um, against a bunch of the values that we as, as Kiwis and, and a bunch of the world uh, go with. So one of the cool things about this particular um, technology or, or, or infrastructure is that you own your assets, you own your data, and it's like having cash in your back pocket. The only difference is it's digital cash, but people can't take it away from you. So having sovereignty and ownership over your, your assets, your, your data, um, uh, your, your money is, is super cool, particularly in a world now where um, yeah, governments think that they have the right to, to take those rights off you. Cool. I mean, I think that's all we honestly have time for, and I could go on and on and on. Um, but yeah, I guess thank you so much for obviously coming on, and hopefully this gives um, everybody out there a bit of a brief on where to begin, why, you know, how... 
So, yeah, I think I'm going to head off soon. But anyway, Selena, I think you should jump in now maybe to close everything up. But, yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Uh, hey, dude. That was so interesting. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and thanks for your time. And, um, yeah, all the best. Good oh. shit. Well done. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Okay. Well done, Michelle. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, catch you next week with a bunch of whole new guests. Peace. Bye.